Welcome back to the Grace Fields Wife podcast. This episode is part two of my interview with Annette Altman's of The Men Project, where we are talking about all things emotional abuse. In the show notes, you'll find a recap of what we touched on in the interview. And then in the, this particular interview in the show notes, you'll find also a recap of all the resources that we discussed as well. If you didn't hear part one, you're going to want to stop and go back and listen to part one for the beginning half of this conversation, but let's jump right in for the second half of this interview. But I did want to make the point for my listeners, these are some of the things you want to look out for. So every time your husband turns around and says, wow, babe, I'm sorry. Like that's the things that we should, yes, we can yeah. hold on to that. And now without that, so if that's not happening, and that can, now can you talk to us about what's going on in the mind of an abuser? Yeah. So we call it at the Men Project, we call it the pillars of abuse. So it's what holds up um, the mindset of abusive thinking. Abusive thinking are deeply entrenched beliefs. And so I'm just going to highlight the four pillars. The first is entitlement, where the abuser believes he's in a hierarchical position or that he deserves special treatment, despite whether it's in the best interest of his spouse or whether he's earned the right for the special treatment. And I'm not talking about, I go to work every day, so therefore I'm entitled to do whatever I want. That's entitlement. That's not healthy. But let's say I'm going to spend these three weekends with you and the kids, and I'm going to be really intentional because on this fourth weekend, I really want to go golfing with my buddies. I mean, that's different. That's when you've mutually agreed on something. But in a person who has entitlement is domineering, whether it's subtle, it could be extremely subtle. They could have never verbalized that they believe they're in a hierarchical position. But deep inside, they believe they are in a, a higher position than you are. And that is very problematic. It fosters abuse. Uh, let me just give an example. Like they might limit the woman's ability to spend funds, but they'll go out and buy an expensive toy. Or they say, don't buy a dress, but then they go buy a car. Those are extremes, but it could be on a much smaller scale. There's financial abuse, which comes out of entitlement and so many other issues. So that's just one mindset. That's one pillar. The next pillar is image management or what some people call impression management. And that's where the abuser doesn't abuse in front of anyone else. He paints himself as a nice guy or whatever guy is kind of acceptable within his microculture, his social group of friends and family. He paints himself in a certain way where he's really accepted in that group. Like if it's a church going family, it could be he volunteers He's philanthropic. You know, he's really involved. He has a relationship with the pastor so that then when the victim ever gains the courage to speak out for help, she's not going to be believed because the pastor has only seen him in a positive light. So he works on this image to paint a picture to protect himself from being caught from what's really going on behind closed doors. And it's very difficult for victims to overcome this perception that he's created about himself. And it undermines her validity. It undermines her credibility. Wow. Then the next pillar 
is a faulty belief system. And a faulty belief system could be something like there's so many cultures in our melting pot of a country. So it could, let's just pick out a Latinx culture where there tends to be um, more of a machismo attitude where let's say the woman works full time and the man works full time. And then when she comes home from work, she's expected to cook at dinner, clean the dishes, get the kids bathed and ready for bed while he's able to watch a football game and have a beer and not it's it's unfair it's so it's this belief system that could either come from cultural experience it could come from your family of origin the way you were raised to view women it can come from your church culture patriarchy would be a faulty belief system at any time that one sex is more valuable than another sex it's oppressing one party so patriarchy is an abusive mindset it gives privilege to one group while it oppresses another group. And these are not necessarily things that an abusive person will articulate, but they're deeply seated beliefs within them. It's part of their upbringing. We all have biases from our upbringing and from our adult exposure and our friend groups and our political viewpoints. We all have biases, but these biases cause the oppression they feel justified to oppress and power over and control their spouse. And then the last pillar of abuse is a lower emotional IQ. And so what happens in many cases is that we raise our boys and we sort of teach them to disdain feminine traits and unconsciously, you know, don't run like a girl, don't cry like a girl, things of that nature. And we allow them to show anger and courage and heroic, you know, power, but we don't really help them develop their sense of fear or worry or doubt or concern, or we don't address their anxieties. Like we don't meet them where they are emotionally and really help them process their emotions and encourage them to express those emotions. And so they grow up in this like man box where they don't relate to emotions, their own emotions or their partner's emotions. They actually fear emotions. So when the partner comes and says, I'm hurt, they hear that as she's so emotional. She's so emotionally out of control. I can't deal with her emotions. So he gets defensive and wants to block her and shut her down. But it's really that he has a lower emotional IQ. He hasn't developed emotions. And it's very difficult to overcome that. It takes really conscious effort to change these behaviors, these four pillars. It's, I liken it to if you were a left-leaning Democrat and you have to become a right-leaning Republican or vice versa, think of all that would be involved. You would be mentored. You'd read countless books. You'd listen to lectures. There's so much involved to change your worldview. And that's what these abusers, they have an entirely different worldview about how relationships should function. And that's why when I show these terms and definitions to women who have been so confused, they finally come to terms with the fact that they're dealing with somebody who doesn't relate to them the way that they relate. They're not going to be empathic. They don't show empathy. They're not 
going to have mutual understanding. They're not going to entertain your emotional communications. They don't even relate to you on that level. So you're dealing with someone that you basically are both from playing from a different reality, a different playbook. And that's the reality check that these women need to really have in yeah. order to then make a determination about how to move forward in their future decisions. Yeah. I think the other part here that I'm feeling and I want to make sure I, I point out is that I think maybe in today's society, less so, but, you know, certainly I'm 40, right? So certainly 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, almost all the men around were raised to have at least one of these pillars, if not all of them. Yeah. And so I think the important thing to recognize is, you know, for me, I'm a Latina, so that is part of our culture. I do work and then I come home and I do the cooking and the cleaning and, the, and my husband watches football. It doesn't actually bother me because for us, it's normal. And I and for us, I know that if I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need his help, I can say, babe, I, I need you. Like, can you do this? And he'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. And like, he'll do it. But that's just not his normal <laughs> inclination. So that doesn't necessarily mean, right? Because maybe he ha might have one of those things. Oh, like, yeah, no. Right? So it's the and idea of, it's a little bit of all of it, right? Every family has some of it. So I just want to yeah. make that clarification for the listener because she might be on there like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe he is abusive. Like, we want to make sure well, that, that guy that says, I am not, I go to work all day. This is your job because right. you're a woman and yeah. he's not going to budge. That it's, is, that defines it better. Right. You can simply go to your husband and say, babe, I need your help. And he's going to jump up and be very right. willing to help you. That right. doesn't relate to what I'm trying to articulate. Yeah. And so I find that is rigid in his thinking. Yes. He's rigid. He's not flexible. Mm -hmm. He, each one of these pillars are rigid thoughts that yes. he is not flexible on. Yeah. And I think the reason why I want to make that distinction is because in today's society with social media and the th with ideas can grow so quickly, like all the time now, I hear people throwing around the term narcissist. Yeah. And I'm like, back up. I don't want to uh, dilute what it means to be a narcissist. And so in having this conversation, it is, yes, to educate and equip the listener, but not so that we can like loosey-goosey throw around some of these terms and maybe because, oh, like, yeah, this happens occasionally or that happens occasionally. Oh, yeah. then right then and there, he must be abusive because what that does then is it minimizes all the women who actually are experiencing um, or actually are in abusive situations. So it's to understand, like you were saying, it's really more of a rigid mindset. It's it's maybe all four, right? Maybe it's not just one. It's, there's all these pieces that are involved that actually are what determines whether or not this is actual abuse. Okay, that's kind of just, why I wanted them to know. Yeah. And and you can help clarify for me, but that's, why, that's where I want to go with that. Yeah. Yes, I love what you're saying. So let's just take patriarchy. A lot of men believe that it's a responsibility to be patriarchal. I'm going to protect women. You know, they have this benevolent form of patriarchy. They don't realize how it can undermine a woman because their intention is to protect women. And the man in the household who believes in benevolent patriarchy also gives his wife an equal voice. 
He doesn't dominate over her and just and determine that he is the one to make all the final decisions. So there are benevolent aspects of these things where um, I feel entitled to have an hour to myself when I come home at the end of the night because I worked all day. That doesn't mean that he's abusive. What is abusive is when it is used to oppress another partner, when it's a justification in their mind that they may not even articulate. It's how they justify in their mind why they get to dominate and control you. It's like, you know, you might, what an, another term and definition that I didn't bring up today is called countering. It's when you say what you would prefer, or let's say it's something as simple as, honey, I notice that when you put the baby in the car seat, you're not tightening the straps. It's really important to tighten and loosen the straps each time because of safety reasons. And you explain it and they say, okay, I will, I will. But then they don't. That's called countering. It's when they will agree to do something, but they really passively aggressively will do the opposite because they don't feel they need to mutually submit. They feel they are in control. So you're going to see countering techniques done on a multitude of things. So it's really subtle, but they inside, they really are entrenched and believe that they can make whatever decision they want, regardless of how rational or important your reasonable concern is to them. Often it ends up in the bedroom. I would prefer to not be intimate on this day when I have to wake up early and or whatever the reason is. And then they pressure you to do more than what you're comfortable with. Those are areas that Inside, they believe they're entitled. I'm entitled to your body. So that is abusive when they can't be collaborative and when they're not going to listen to you. So I'm hoping that defines it a little bit yeah. more. No, that's beautiful. And the thing that came up for me, if we want to take it back to scripture for anyone listening to this show, read scripture or, or, or hold some value in scripture. So for anyone, whether you are from an egalitarian household or a complementarian household, for the scripture that says, wives, submit to your husband, oftentimes they will forget the next line that says, and men love your wives the way Jesus loved the church and Jesus gave his life for the church. So regardless of what that looks like, going to your point about the benevolent patriarchy, if your husband is loving you the way he should, then the patriarchy is not going to be an issue because he's going to yeah. be doing what is best for you because he loves you because he's going to be and you're going to feel safe and taken care of. And he's going to really be self-sacrificing in that way, just the way yeah. Jesus was for the church. It's servant leadership. Right. Exactly. Or the verse before that says mutual submission. Yes. You know, so often churches that are really entrenched in patriarchy or hierarchical thinking, they never talk about mutual submission. They just completely omit the verse and jump into wives submit. But really, a healthy marriage is going to listen to both people, take in consideration both people's points of views, and come up with a mutually beneficial um, position or solution. Yeah. So, um, and that is loving. That's what love is when you mutually respect your partner and you care about their voice and all of that. Yeah. So, and I think that is what it means when we talk about what is biblical submission. Like that is what it means. If you want to like, I hear this a lot in my community. I want to be a biblical wife. What does it mean to be a biblical wife? I want to um, submit 
biblically? What does that mean? Well, it's an understanding, right? At least on this show, it's an understanding that, yes, while God's word does say to submit, it also says that there, A, there's mutual submission and B, that he should also be loving you. And so if that is not happening, then there is a breakdown in the order of what God has created. And that right there should be an indication that there is something wrong and maybe I need to seek a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Annette, I have a couple of other questions for you before we wrap. So we talked about a lot in the beginning. We talked about how she is going to identify, is she in an abusive relationship and all these things. But I'm going to go ahead and guess. Actually, I already know because I've spoken to several of them. Women who they know full well that they are in an abusive, even if it's covert, they know they're in an abusive relationship. And for one reason or another, they can't leave. So for that woman, I don't want to leave her without hope. What kind of hope or resources can we offer her? What, what would you say to that? Well, that's a great question. What we teach at MEND is to, like I said before, we don't tell them to stay or to leave because that is such a complicated decision that's very personal. It's everybody's personal choice. But if you stay, you need to learn how to emotionally detach and you need to learn how to create autonomy for yourself so that you produce your own income so that if at some point you decide to leave, you're capable of doing that. You're not stuck because you can't afford to take care of yourself. So I always encourage people to take like certification courses where it doesn't require you to go back and get another degree or even your first degree, but that you can do certain things online at home if you get certified in certain topics. Like becoming an esthetician, for example, requires only nine months. And yet you have such a capacity to earn a good living. Um, And there's so many other professions that um, will allow you to have autonomy. And so I really encourage you to start working on that part-time or just devote, you know, 12 months into something full-time and just create childcare for your child during this season and gain your autonomy back so that you can start building a savings account to prepare and that you can have that autonomy. It's so important and it really helps with your self-worth. The emotional detachment part, I want to recommend, um, Leslie Burnett teaches a course and I can't remember, I think it's called Conquer. If you go to her website and she really focuses a lot on emotional detachment for those people who need to stay, how to let go of trying. So let me just define that a little bit. So often um, victims are really speak, they're empathic people and they want emotional connection. I mean, that's the way God created us to have deep connection with each other. And so they continue to pursue that with an abuser and it's never going to come. And there needs to be a reality check moment that your abuser is not going to meet you emotionally. So how can you get your emotional needs met? from like your girlfriends or family members or a therapist or whomever, and that you can detach emotionally so that you quit over-functioning. You quit working so hard to get them to understand and hear you in all the many ways that you attempt to reach them. You stop that because that's only going to create more trauma. And the more trauma you have, 
You're going to start getting physical illnesses. You're getting emotionally exhausted. And it's just not good stewardship of your own body. And it's not making you available to your children the way you need to be without trauma. So I always counsel people to work on autonomy and work on emotionally detaching. If you want to try to save your marriage, I encourage emotional detachment as well as there is um, a resource that I refer and collaborate with. It's called the Marriage Recovery Center. And they specialize in cases of abuse. They do a good job. It's where my husband and I went. We were able to reconcile our marriage after a three-year separation. And it, it was really a miraculous story. I wasn't expecting to reconcile, but he did the work through the Marriage Recovery Center. They have groups. They have individual therapy. They have intensives. It's not inexpensive, but for those who can afford it, it's a really good option. I trust them. And they fully align with the victim. They hold the abuser accountable. They allow the victim to be involved in the process. So you have a voice. You feel heard and respected by the therapist. And then there's another resource that I like to recommend. She also has a podcast. Her name is Natalie Hoffman. And um, she um, has a support group that is only $29 a month. And you can join that support group. And you can um, get all kinds of lessons. Like she has hundreds of hours of lessons on different aspects of emotionally detaching or separating or leaving or all different kinds of topics to help you get stronger, regardless of what decision you make. I think it's, it's so important to get stronger and to not have to pay a therapist. You can be in her program for two years or longer. And it's for such a reasonable amount. A lot of people who couldn't afford the $29, they get a sponsor, someone at their church to pay for it. Anyways, things like this um, that are important to tap into. And our workshops are constantly educating. We're also going to be starting a Facebook group after the first of the year so that people can stay in touch after they've gone through our comprehensive training. And we can just be a supportive group for each other where it's ongoing. I think being part of a group of people who can really identify with you and not judge you and say, well, you need to stay because that, that you know, marriage is, you know, uh, forever. You, it's a covenant. Yeah, God hates divorce. All the things I've heard, right? Or those that say, well, you need to leave or you're just being a doormat and they pressure you. That is not helpful for you. Those being talked and spoken down to or given wrong instructions is really not helpful. It's actually traumatizing because a victim needs to have space to think on their own, um, to, have, to have that autonomy, to not be spoken down to by yet another person. So anytime you can tap into groups that have similar issues, like if there's an abuse group at your local church, tap into those resources so that you have people you can talk to openly that understand where you are. That's, I love that. And I think you mentioned a book when we were chatting oh, yeah. earlier. So there's a book, I think, it is with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman. It's called Dating, Loving, and Leaving a Narcissist. And in this book, it's not ultimately telling you you need to leave. It's telling you also how you can transactionally communicate with the narcissist so that you are able to communicate with them in a way that will not necessarily bring out more abuse towards you. So that's really helpful. And 
the author is Jamie Zuckerman. Yeah. There's one other. Okay, go ahead. Go for it. No, I'm just having a bit. Um, so I don't agree with everything in this book, but I think it gives tremendous insight as to the mindset of the victim. There tends to be a lot of codependency where you're over-functioning in the relationship and you're taking more care of your abusive spouse than you are even of yourself. And so it's called the human magnet syndrome by Ross Rosenberg. And it basically shows how empathic people or codependent people, and I don't, he doesn't like that word codependency and neither do I. He calls it self-love deficit disorder. And it's basically how we are attracted to narcissists and how they are attracted to us. And so it really helps you walk through what caused that in your early childhood, identifying certain ways that you were parented so that you can know how to overcome it in therapy. Like he gives you an outline of what to work on in therapy so that you can really truly overcome those core um, beliefs about yourself that are that believe you're flawed in some way or that you deserve to be treated this way or somehow it's your fault. He really helps you overcome those mindsets by giving you a roadmap. And I think that's really helpful. Amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was so rich and so full. Before we wrap, is there anything, any last thoughts, anything that you might want to share with the audience? Sure. There's a couple. One is that, you know, the Bible doesn't, well, newer translations are using the word abuse, but most Bibles don't use the word abuse. But oppression is throughout the Bible, and Jesus always advocates for the person who's being oppressed, whether it's in marriage or outside of marriage. And I just want you to remember that. And I I just got goosebumps with that one, by the way. I'm like, oh, yes, I love that. Go ahead. Continue. And also, um, God is about love. and that means loving yourself. I want these women, if they think something's intrinsically wrong with themselves, I want you to know that none of us are perfect and that you are worthy of experiencing love in the way that God defines it. And if you're not experiencing love in that way, it is not your fault. There's really nothing that you can do. It is not your responsibility. Love yourself enough to start doing things that show that you love yourself, participating in activities, gaining your autonomy, learning, educating yourself, bettering yourself, and surrounding yourself with people who pour love into you and talking to yourself in a new way rather than criticizing yourself. Be aware of your critical words and stop doing that. You are worthy of experiencing love. You are valuable. You are important. And then the last thing I want to say is that if any of this resonated with you, please go to our website. There's so much information there. Um, It's themendproject.com. But also we offer a four-week class um, that's live, or you can take a recorded class and go at your own pace It's only $79 and it covers, it's the same course almost verbatim as to what we teach therapists, but it's focused on victims and survivors and it will save you years of therapy if you just 
take this course, you will be so knowledgeable and then you will be able to seek out the help that you really need or you'll be able to decide that you need to make some decisions in your life, whether that's emotionally disconnecting from your spouse or leaving the relationship. There's different avenues that you can take that we cover. We don't pressure you to stay or pressure you to leave, but it's so comprehensive and I know it will really bless you. And then we also teach about additional resources that you can tap into that aren't necessarily expensive therapy. We we do have expert therapists in the country that we refer to, but we also have alternative resources to really help you on your healing journey, whether you decide to stay or leave. Um, these resources are comprehensive. And so I just hope that you'll tap into that class if this resonated with you in any way. Oh, wow. Well, I was literally just going to ask you, <laughs> let the, the listener know how they can hear from you. So you guys have already heard it. This was a true gift for me personally, and I know it is going to be such a gift for my listeners. And I'm so excited now that I will have it recorded and memorialized that I can share. Just so you guys know, I wholeheartedly recommend The Men Project and the work that Annette is doing. And that's why I called her. I like did all kinds of research to find her, reach out to her, ask her to come on this show because I wanted to be able to help them really spread their message. I think it is so important. And I don't think I could do the work uh, that I do well as a therapist or a marriage coach, whatever, if I didn't have a place where I was not equipped to deal with the smaller population of women or maybe growing or, you know, maybe we're just starting to understand what that's really looking like. Of women domestic violence. I know I'm interrupting you, but no, please go. Domestic violence hotline says that 50% of our population are dealing with lifelong emotional abuse. Wow. So an epidemic. And the UN says it's um, a silent epidemic. So Mm. they've recognized that it is absolutely pervasive all across the globe. I want to say one more thing. Yes. I'll do free workshops once a month, and we're going to increase. The frequency of those reshop, of those workshops in 2024, we house those workshops on our YouTube channel or on our web um, page. And in those workshops, we will take a topic like, for example, post-traumatic stress and complex post-traumatic stress is one example, or reactive abuse when a victim um, tends to be re- too reactive and how to help a victim who's dealing with that or how to help professionals identify that. We go deeper into topics that we're not able to go into our comprehensive curriculum. So every month there's another hour of education that's free to tap into. All you have to do is register. And then even if you can't attend when it's live, the recording is emailed to you. Oh, wow. I Love, love, love this, especially I have listeners all over the globe. So in all 50 states and 50 plus countries all over the globe. So no matter where you guys are, I know all the countries, there's lots and lots of countries out there. Uh, No matter where you are, this applies. And as long as you can understand English, if you're listening to this show, then it would be worth it to you to check out Annette and the Men Project and all the resources that they have. And really, if not for yourself, maybe it's for a sister, a friend, someone else who you're like, oh, wait a minute, this may not be for me, but this is for someone else. And I just encourage you, please 
share this episode and really just let's get the word out there and let's get our wives and women healing, the healing that they need, because we should not have to live in a world of abuse. Thank you guys. And until next week. Hey, love, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you found any value in it, any teaching, any transformation, I encourage you to share it with a friend. Click the link, go ahead and share it with a friend, text it to somebody, share it on Instagram, tag me at the Grace Fields Wife, any of those things, or maybe even write a review. All those things are really the best way that you can thank me, and it helps the show to get found by other amazing women just like you. I love you, and I'll see you on Tuesday for another episode of The Grace Fields Wife.